Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Today, I am very honored to uh, sit down and chat with uh, the founder and president of MS Run the US, uh, Ashley Schneider. Um, Back in 2010, Ashley ran across the entire United States of America, um, having never have ran even a marathon before. Uh, she did this all with the intent of raising money for uh, multiple sclerosis. And uh, we'll get into the story in this episode. But based off of that experience, she has created this beautiful, wonderful foundation, wonderful event uh, that has raised over $2.6 million so far, uh, which is crazy. So it's MS Run the US. She kind of talks about what this is. It's almost like a way for people to experience a little bit of what it would be like to run uh, the entirety of the United States. So people can raise money um, and then join the run and they'll take on about a week of the run before they kind of like hand the uh, baton off or whatever the the um, theoretical b- baton. I don't think there's actually a baton. Maybe there's a baton. I don't know. I should have asked Ashley. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so that's what this is about. So I think this is really cool. The part of the story I really connected to um, is just this idea of like, just doing what your heart is telling you to do and chasing after it passionately, um, despite not really knowing what the outcome will be. And then having opportunities open up because you put yourself out there. I think it's so important. So often people, um, they kind of start something with the outcome in mind and they think they know what that outcome will be. And then how often is it that the outcome is never what you expect? There's always unexpected um, things that arise and kind of unexpected opportunities that come your way just based on, you know, chasing your passions, following your heart, going out there and doing something kind of seemingly ridiculous, like in this story, like running across the United States. So um, I love this conversation. She shouts out Iowa as being a difficult state to run in, which I am psyched about as an Iowan. Uh, Anyways, uh, let's just jump into the episode. This is like a Bigfoot podcast number 341 with Ashley Schneider. Today, I am honored to be sitting here with the founder and president of MS Run the US, uh, Ashley uh, Schneider. I almost messed it up. I was just bragging that I was going to like, I could have totally said it and then I slipped. But anyways, Ashley Schneider's here. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat. Yeah. I want to say this right off the bat. I was looking at um, MS Run the US today and like where your relay is, which we'll get into. Um, And you're about to enter the greatest state of all time, Iowa. And I'm excited about it. I am excited. We can have a whole podcast on Iowa and if it is the greatest state or not. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's your Wisconsin coming out at me. I had some trouble in Iowa, but we've had a lot of relay runners that love Iowa. So it really is up to the individual. (laughs) So, okay, well, we'll get into your run. I definitely want to hear about that. And I'm going to make a point to ask you what happened in Iowa. But what do people like about it so much? 
Um, you know, Midwest is just really good vibes. Usually people are so friendly and helpful and interested in what we're doing and why we're running through the cornfields and all of that. Um, I think Iowa is really active in terms of outdoor activities in the summer too. Um, I'm out of our homes from the winter. And so people are generally just really excited to be outside. Um, so I would say that probably is what plays into it the most it definitely cannot be the terrain in my opinion <laughs> uh it is iowa is extremely hilly and it is i think it, it surprises a lot of people it surprised me when i ran across the state so but i i prepare our runners for that and so i think if you're physically prepared to do hill intervals for the entire state of iowa then then you can run across it pretty comfortably yeah i have to say when i was a kid i i had to have been like four, 13 or 14 and we were at my grandpa's house and he lived in like southern iowa like town of like 60 people just gravel roads everywhere right and my yeah. dad's like let's go on a little bike ride i'm pretty sure he said a little bike ride and i'm like okay and it was like a 20 mile bike ride and the amount of ups and downs with the hills killed me and it was one of the hardest like endurance things i've ever done <laughs> yeah if you look at our maps through iowa the topography is all sawtooth and it it looks like it's mountainous the elevation up and down it really yeah. is extremely hilly yeah all right so now i got i'm gonna give you a second to talk about wisconsin so i saw um trying to remember what year maybe 2018 2017 around there you guys finally went up into wisconsin can you mm-hmm. talk about what that meant for you? Cause you know, that's your home state and you had missed it um, in, in the other years of running this. I, so when I routed a relay run across the country, I kind of just took the straightest line, which goes through Chicago. And I kind of thought uh, in bigger cities, we'd get more support from runners or companies or partnerships and things like that. But we've been going to Chicago through Chicago suburbs for five years and we really didn't have anything spectacular happening there and so we had one year where we had an exceptional amount of qualified relay runners apply to be a part of the event and so I was like let's just bring it to Wisconsin we'll just do like a little loop up into Wisconsin and it's been really fun because the the nonprofit's office is here a good amount of the staff is here it comes literally just miles from my house on this rec trail it it was just really nice to know that I can bring a runner here and I know where they're running and yeah you know, just bringing people to Milwaukee. I love Milwaukee and we come through Wisconsin in July. So it's a good time to come through Wisconsin. It's a good time to be here. Can be a little hot in the running um, realm sometimes, but I don't know. It's just fun. People, the runners finish here. We have some good beer in Milwaukee and just are able to have um, a good time. We actually flew in a uh, uh, employee a couple years ago off the east coast and when they landed into milwaukee they thought they took the wrong flight because they didn't realize how big like michigan was yeah they thought they were still on the coast they thought it was the ocean they're like what i had no idea that lake michigan was this big i'm like yes yeah. looks like the ocean you cannot <laughs> see michigan you know from milwaukee so i don't know i just love bringing people here i love wisconsin that's cool i thought you were gonna say they flew in and never left they're still <laughs> in wisconsin they just didn't want to go you know, they did leave, especially because one of the reasons they were hired was to leave <laughs> and go to L.A. with the runners. So I yeah. kind of had to leave, but they do. 
still visit Wisconsin. They love it here. It's a good it, place to be. It's amazing. Like, honestly, like I growing up, I always, you know, like Iowa, Wisconsin kind of rivalry there a little bit. But having visited now that my dad lives up there, it's it's like truly like a hidden gem in the United States, I think. It is. It is really great, especially in the warmer months, spring, summer and fall. You can it's just a great it's a great outdoor state to be in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I want to get into just the whole journey and i'm sure you've told the story many many times at this point um but i think it's fascinating uh you've started this amazing uh charity um relay event across the united states which is absolutely amazing um and you did it based kind of on your own experience so you went and did it first you ran across the united states first and then you started this relay event uh called ms run the us and um, can I just kind of hear the story? Like what, what even like, how did this haul come about and what is it, you know, I obviously I want to get into like what it means to your life now and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. I, well, let's just start with the fact that I never planned to start a charity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> start there. I was 24. I graduated from college with an exercise science degree and I got a job with Royal Caribbean and I was part of their sports staff. So I was teaching surfing and rock climbing on a cruise ship, traveling That's around the awesome. world. It was awesome. I did it for two and a <laughs> half years. I did not expect to be doing anything different for the foreseeable future. I would have stayed on those ships because it was like six month contracts and then I was getting paid for it. So I was just going to travel around the world and keep doing that. It was awesome. So I was in Barcelona. I'd always been a lifelong runner. My mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before I was born. And I I was just really into fitness and I really appreciated my ability to run and to act exercise, especially in light of my mom's decreasing mobility. So our ship was in Barcelona. I was on my regular three mile run that morning. And I just, I was meeting a lot of people who told me they always wanted to tour the U S but, yeah. and so they were asking me, oh, what, what about this? What about the Grand Canyon? All these yeah. different places that I'd never really seen. And while on ships, I would get off in port and I would run through all these amazing cities and see more than most people on the tours. So I'd really kind of get into the heart of the city. So that was like the component of being able to run and see a place and get to know it really well. So I was thinking about running through different cities. I was thinking about how a lot of people were telling me they wanted to see the US and that in my mind during a run, you know, you're just fueled by endorphins. You get a lot of fun fantasy ideas. And so I started thinking about running across the country from city to city. What places would I go see? What would I want to do? And I figured if I didn't have to do anything but running, then it would be really feasible to just go from one place to the next and maybe have like care packages. And like, keep in mind, I had put all of my stuff in storage. I was living in a ship. I didn't, I was very mobile and nibble at this, at this yeah. point in my life. Um, and then, so this was kind of just my fantasy during the run. And when I thought to do it for my mom, you know, it kind of formed into this run across the country. I had never heard of anyone running across America before. This is 2009. People had done it by that time, but I had never heard of it besides yeah. Forrest Gump. But that's obviously, just I was going to say, I was going to say, movie that like you never think, oh, yeah, I could do that. You know, it's not like the ass essence of the movie. But anyway, so I just never thought I could, I would act actually run across America. It just was not on my trajectory at that point. Yeah. But it, the idea dropped into my mind on this run. And then I, I just was really excited about it. But when I thought about doing it for my mom and to raise money for multiple sclerosis, I immediately, everything clicked. 
and I felt like this is what I made to do and I'm going to go do it. So I put in, I quit my job within a few weeks. I first started doing some training runs to see if I would, how my body would respond. I had only done two half marathons at this point. I didn't, I didn't know how many miles across the country. (laughs) I knew it was a lot, but I hadn't done a marathon yet. And I, I thought in my mind, if I had nothing else to do, but run, I could run for an hour, take a little break, run for an hour, take a little break and do that for a couple hours a day, you know, three, four or five hours a day. And in my mind, it just seemed really feasible. Yeah. If you have nothing else to do. And essentially that's ultra running, but I didn't know anything about ultra running at that point, but that's essentially what ultra running is. Yeah. Um, And so I quit my job. I moved home to Wisconsin in January, which is a really horrible idea. Lots of good outdoor training in January. Actually, I do think there's a lot of good outdoor training in January because I think I was looking to become really hardy yeah. by running. And there's a lot of uncomfortable days in January. So I'm like, I'm just getting my gear on and I'm going outside. And I just wanted to, you know, callous myself a little bit yeah. and do all of the hard things in training. But so I left the Caribbean moved home to Wisconsin. <laughs> also <laughs> leaving the Caribbean into like Wisconsin in the winter. Yeah. But that, you know, that's how motivated I was. Well, yeah. and also because of my mom, I grew up watching her lose a lot of her mobility. Yeah. Some of her cognitive function. And for those uh, listening that don't know what MS is, it is an autoimmune disease that attacks the central nervous system, which is your brain, your spinal cord and your optic nerves. So people experience different a wide range of symptoms, but for my mom specifically, she had poor fine motor skills. So like holding a pen, holding a fork, you know, she didn't really have like the dexterity in her fingers. Um, she would get tired really easily. And then there is kind of a memory brain fog component or there can be. And so for her on a good MS day, we could have a conversation and she would remember where things went in the kitchen, but on a bad MS day, it was like, there was not any conversation being had. It was a lot of ums and pauses and like yeah. you could see thoughts drifting. Um, and so I grew up with that. She was diagnosed when she was 27. And I just always felt like if I had the opportunity to do something, I needed to go do it now. And my parents really supported that kind of mindset. They ingrained it in us. I have two siblings or uh, three siblings, two sisters and a brother. And so it was just like, one of the things my dad told me is that they planned on traveling a lot when they retired. And by the time they're at that age, my mom was really deep into her MS. And so how that relates to my story is I'm on the cruise ship. It is January. I am in the Caribbean. I do not want to go home to Wisconsin, but also I didn't want to wait. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I had people saying, well, just finish this contract. Don't leave right now. You know, I have maybe like four or five months left in my contract. And there was all this like, well, just wait, just wait until it was the great recession the housing market had just crashed and millions of people were losing their job in the U S and I was going to go quit my job to run across America and set this ridiculous goal to raise $500,000 for MS. Yeah. yeah. Never done any fundraising before. It just, it just seemed like, well, I'm going to run across America. Surely that's worth $500,000. Yeah. Um, so I was just really inspired and <clears throat> thought it was exactly what I should be doing. So I quit came home to Wisconsin, started training. Um, I wanted to partner with a already existing MS charity to give them money away. I wasn't really looking to do anything but run and give $500,000 away. Yeah. And I wanted sponsorship to pay for it. I didn't have any money to pay for it. 
I didn't know how much it would be to cross to to I don't know how much it would cost to yeah. run across America. I didn't have a motorhome. My idea was to live in a motorhome, but I didn't have one. So I wanted someone to borrow me a motorhome. Like all of this, <laughs> it, was, it was just, I will step into this and all of these things will come together. I and- love that. I, I just, I, I really connect to that idea of like, hey, you had this calling and there's, it's really, it's hard to describe like when it happens. And I think some people are aware of when it happens and some people are unaware and they just let it go by. But you had this like, calling and this like passion of like i have to do this like it doesn't matter all these details all these details are just details that you can figure out along the way but there's just something like when this happens you have to do this for your soul to feel like fulfilled i guess yeah and for me too i don't know if you've experienced but there was a deep understanding for me that i could run across america so i had no doubt that i i never thought once i can't I might not physically be able to do this. It was like, oh, I can run across America. And I knew it to be true. And I knew it was what I should be doing. And so then I so then I just went and did it. And the why I was doing it was so important. And the knowing that I was capable of it and it was what I should be doing, that all of those details, like you said, I knew they would come together. And if they didn't come together the way that I imagined it, I felt that I could just I could just figure it out. You know, I was ready to push a cart across the country. I'm pretty sure my parents wouldn't have let me. I think they would have let me do it, but like followed behind me in the car. (laughs) (laughs) But even if I didn't get the motor home, it was like this intention of I am running across America full stop. Yeah. Whatever that looks like, it will, it will look like. And luckily for me, I did not have to push a cart across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I also wanted to hear about like, your idea of from running around the world on the cruise ship. um, I think it's different than just seeing the world. Like when you're moving through it, especially at the pace of running, which even for all the really fast people, like it's not super fast, right? You're out there, you're, you're smell like it's weird to say, but like you're smelling the area, you're like feeling the breeze. Like, I don't know. It's just like a different way of experiencing a place. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it, you know, it's like, it's like being a part of it. So let's take Nebraska and Iowa, for example, you drive through those states. They're so boring. I've driven through them a thousand, not a thousand. That's maybe an exaggeration, but a lot. And it's a lot of hours sitting in the car, you know, I 80, it's yeah. billboards and gas stations, you know? <laughs> yeah, some really, really good rest stops in Iowa. They, they know how to do a rest stop off of I-80. That's right, that's right. Just in case anybody gets in Iowa, it's got great rest stops. But, but there's, not, there's not a lot to see. You're just kind of like, put your head down and get through the state. But when yeah. you're running through it, there's just so much to experience. Um, a really good example is like the grass is so green and the and the sky is so blue and there's just like these big puffs of white clouds and they they have these huge windmills that are just totally mesmerizing especially when you're at a runner's pace in Iowa and in Nebraska and like the breeze is blowing and you see like bees on flowers and you're just like you hear the crunch of your feet underneath um on top of the gravel and like you can feel the sun you know it's just there's so much sensory when you slow down and you experience a city 
at a running or walking pace that I think it's, you really kind of get to know it a little bit more. You see things that you wouldn't see at a faster pace, or even like on the cruise ships, the tours are set tours. And so you go from like point A to point B, and then you're seeing this touristy thing. You're seeing this chapel, you're seeing, you know, everything is very touristy focused. You have all of the um, touristy shops, you know, kind of like the the cheap stuff that you just buy five shells for your friends and it has like the little, you know, St. Martin. No, it's the total, like I told my kids I was going to get them something. Oh my God. Like, what do I do? And then, you know, five minutes before you leave. (laughs) Yeah. But if you, if you get off that path, you're now more into what the city is really about. The people that live there, I would go eat at, we would always find, we would always kind of make connections with people in the city that live there. So we knew what's like the real taco place to go eat? Like what's the, what's the non-touristy beach that we go to, you know, what kind of parasailing do you guys do? They don't stand in line off of the cruise ship and do the, you know, so that you really get to know the city if you uh, get off the beaten path and just kind of go where the people that live there. And so you really can do that at a, at a runner's pace. Yeah. Yeah. So you hadn't ran a marathon before, and now all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to run a marathon every day across the United States. Can like, what gives you the boldness to go out and, and take that on? I mean, I know you said you knew you could do it, but what gave you yeah. that confidence? Like, have you always been that confident or what? Um, I appreciate using the word confident. Cause a lot of people be like, oh, that sounds dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that is stupid. <laughs> I mean, it can be both. It can be both. Right. Uh, so I was. Uh, I had always been a runner, always been a lifelong athlete. So just feeling, knowing my body really well and feeling confident in it. And then I did get my degree in exercise and sports science. And so I knew some of the elements of how the body uses the different fuel it has access to, how nutrition plays a role in, in hydration and electrolytes. So I knew the science of the body too, besides just knowing my body. And, and then I did train, um, when I quit my job to when I was standing at the golden gate bridge in San Francisco was 17 months. And so I did have, I very quickly was like, all right, I'm going to run a marathon now. And then, as I mentioned, I, I just looked to do all of the hard things imaginable. If the weather was bad, I was lacing up and I was going out. I would run when it was dark. It gets really dark early in the winter. And so I was out on the road running at 6 p.m. That is not my ideal time. And it would be like, all right, well, I guess I got to go run 13 miles right now. And I did not want to run 13 miles at 6 p.m., but that's what I would go do. I would do a lot of ice baths. I know physiologically it can be really good for you, but mentally it just toughens you up a little bit to sit in cold water. So I I feel like I had a a good enough base and a big enough runway to get those big miles in. And then what I did for the, it's 3,260 miles across America, give or take. So it's 125 consecutive marathons. And I split the country into thirds. I ran from San Francisco. My next main location was Denver. And then from Denver, I went through Nebraska, Iowa, and was shooting for Chicago. And then from Chicago, I headed to New York. So when I was looking at the country in general, it was going to take six months for me to run across America. That was kind of like my timeline. And I decided that my miles from the Golden Gate Bridge to Denver were going to be my last phase of training. And so I would do, you know, 15 to 17 miles a day. And then my goal was by the time I was over the Rocky Mountains that I would be 
feel good enough to do a marathon a day and then potentially do more than a marathon near the finish. And that all worked out really well. One of the reasons that I think it worked out really well is because I actually gained eight pounds before I started, which was quite a feat because I was doing a lot of training. So I was eating a lot, but I wanted to gain weight to have extra fat reserves for the duration of the event. And when I finished in New York, I was about eight pounds lighter than my normal healthy body weight. So I was getting, I was getting pretty skinny by the time I got into New York and wouldn't have wanted to continue in that fashion for too, too much longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you kind of get into the injury phase of endurance running when you push it too hard and you're burning through too much muscle and you don't have enough reserves for your body to fuel off of. Yeah, no, that's super smart because otherwise you're losing 16 pounds from your starting like your normal weight, which seems like, yeah, you're going to hurt some muscles or, or all of that. Um, I want to hear a little bit about the Rocky mountains during that. Obviously, like I live in Colorado, um, our friend Caitlin, uh, who kind of set this podcast up, uh, Caitlin Yonke, who's amazing. And she's ran with, with MS run the U S a whole bunch. She's ran the mountain Colorado section before. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you just talk about like the challenges of that? There. So, um, the Rockies actually, I feel are easier to run than Iowa. And I will tell you why. <laughs> oh, so- wait, hold on. <laughs> the Iowan in me is so proud right now that I'm just so psyched to hear this. Okay. So it's a real like science based thing. So besides the elevation, by the time I got to the Rockies, I was acclimating to elevation anyway. So the elevation wasn't a factor. By the time I got there, I was running up the mountains, but when you're running up a mountain, you're usually running up for like seven plus miles, at least like rabbit ears pass. Let's take that's a seven mile incline. So physiologically, when you hit the incline for the first two to three minutes, it's going to be really uncomfortable, but then your body adjusts to the new workload. So you kind of like plateau off. It's not, it's not increasingly hard as it is for the first two to three minutes. Once you get past like the three minute phase, then your body plateaus. It kind of acclimates to how much oxygen you need in order to keep the pace that you're going and you just level off and can maintain that. And you're, and you just maintain it going up. So I think it's a little bit easier because all you got to wait for is that three minute threshold. And then you just continue going up. And then when you go down, it's hard on your quads, but you're going generally speaking down for long periods of time. And then you kind of, it's not like this up and up and down, up and down. So one of the reasons I thought Iowa was so physically hard is because the hills aren't really that long, but they're long enough. And so by the time you acclimate to the hill, you're at the top. So then your heart rate drops, you're going downhills. It's not as, it's not as taxing on your body in terms of like the oxygen load. So then your body resets to a lower threshold for oxygen. And, you know, it's like doing hill intervals. Yeah. The whole entire length of the state of Iowa. Yeah. Just hill intervals. It's crazy. So, um, it was just this up and down, up and down. It was really taxing on, I don't know, my cardiovascular system essentially and yeah. adjusting to the workload needed to, um, compensate going up and down. Well, and you can't like zone out as easily because like you said, you know, in two to three minutes, you're at the top of one of those little gravel Hills in Iowa, and then you're yeah. going down for a minute and then two to three minutes up and then down and then up. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Like mentally taxing. Was there any, um, I mean, I've read the articles, uh, about 
your event and it talks about having two blisters and one day of of heat getting to you and that was it like besides that no real physiological problems um is there any was there any like mental challenges though like doing this day in day out for as long as you did and i know i and maybe you can speak to this the power of like commitment and the power of like having a greater cause to get Mm -hmm. through some of this but like what were the mental challenges for you i like any runner had some days where i didn't feel like doing it you know it's like every morning i woke up there was a on average 24 miles in front of me that i had to run no matter what else was on so the actual more taxing part of the endeavor was that not only was i doing the running miles but then i also i was trying to raise five hundred thousand dollars so there was you know, people that I would meet that were connected to the cause that wanted to talk. There were media interviews. There was all of the logistics that go into camping in a motorhome across the country, camp set up and take down, filling, you know, the LP gas tank, making sure there's enough gas in the motorhome in general, making sure the heater and the AC work, making sure you have food and groceries and laundry, all of that normal stuff. And then on top of it, there's emails and connecting with people and fundraising events and planning. So there was all of this other stuff on top of the 24 miles of running I had to do every day. So I would say that was actually more mentally taxing was not the running was kind of this sanctuary for me where there was, that was the thing I was doing. So there was no excuse not to do it. It actually caused me a little anxiety when Uh, we would sleep in or someone would come talk to us and I'm like itching to go run. Like every little interaction was like, should have been on the road like 40 minutes ago, you know? And so that was more emotionally what I had to manage was uh, all of the other stuff that would sometimes crowd the running. But I, I really appreciate, I really feel like I get to run, especially in light of my mom's decreasing mobility I also knew I wasn't going to run across America again. So every day was like, I'm here and this is, this is a place that I am and I'm not going to come back here in this way again. And I knew it was only going to take six months. So it was just like, I'm doing this thing for six months and I'm really going to appreciate every day. And that's not to say that I didn't have bad days, but it was pretty easy to pull myself out of it, especially when it came to running the miles. Um, and it was nice because I didn't have any injuries or anything physically weighing on me. Obviously, if you have uh, an injury or something crumping up that is painful, managing pain and suffering while trying to do those miles is one of the harder things <laughs> that anyone yeah. has to do as a runner. And I didn't have to experience that, thankfully. So um, I, I do understand that like the physical aspect was it was a gift that I was able to do it in the way that I did it. Yeah. In, in one of the articles that I read, it mentions an idea that I thought was really cool that you had, which is basically like wanting to do this, like wanting to make this your own experience. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I think at the time there was 15 other women who have who had a, accomplished this, who had ran across the US and you were kind of just more interested in making this your own thing. And I think nowadays we kind of get so into, I mean, you're a parent and I'm a parent. And I guess to relate it to parenting, it's like, you can look and you can see everyone else's experiences and you can see how what they're parenting what they're doing and things like this and it's almost tempting to be like oh i should be doing that too like maybe and rather than just following your own heart and following your own guidance like when you're doing this event 
want like intentionally being like i just want it to be my own thing so i'm just gonna i'm not gonna do a lot of the research or any of that like i just i thought that was a really cool idea and i think that's something we can all apply to in life because we get inundated with so much information now mm -hmm. it's really tempting to dive into like all these other experiences and i also think there's something to be said about just doing what what you're gonna do and make it your own thing right yeah i mean I'm a, I would say I'm a pretty, so my view of myself is that I can be a pretty chill person, which, um, I think when people, well, I know when people look at what I, what I did and what I currently do, um, that I can be pretty intense, which I get, <laughs> I, I, I am, I can be kind of intense too, Yeah. but I also don't carry a lot of anxiety in, in managing details. I'm not a very detail oriented person. I, so I can look at a whole experience and feel really comfortable not having all of the details where, so I'm okay with that. Whereas, uh, some people might be very detail oriented and they need the details in order to feel comfortable stepping into something. And I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong way. I think it's really important that one, we know who we are ourselves and can work within that kind of lane. And then also not being detail oriented can be a bad thing. So I always align myself with people that are detail oriented yeah. so that I don't have to worry about it. And so, yeah, when I was looking at running across the country, I knew people had done it before I did Google it. I was like, has anyone run across America yet? <laughs> and then I Googled You're it. Like, like Tom oh. Hanks in Forrest Gump has ran across <laughs> America five times. Uh <laughs> but they've been like people are running across America. They have been running across America since like I don't know the original date, but I know the first female that ran across the country, I think it was like 1981. Wow. And that was the first female males have been running across the country, you know, probably like the 1950s. Wow. Um, and generally speaking, someone is crossing the country on foot at any given time. And so I knew that people had run across the country. Um, and I don't know. I just, I just didn't want to spend a lot of time hearing about what their experience was because I, you hear the good, but then also you hear the bad yeah. and I don't want to carry that with me. And one of the things I did very intentionally was I was very focused on like positivity and bringing in good information and surrounding myself with people that thought this was a interesting and cool idea, if not even crazy, but I didn't want to talk to anybody um, who thought, Hey, just wait a little bit, or aren't you concerned about getting injured? You've never run a marathon before. How do you know that you can do this? I had so many people say, how do you know you can do this? And I'm like, because I know, and that is <laughs> for me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to yeah. explain it to you and I don't want to spend all my time explaining to you that I know I can do this. Yeah. You know? And I don't know, maybe I got out there and I ended up failing. Let's say I got out there and I like, got injured and didn't finish the run. Like, so what? I still went out and like did something and also learned a, a ton of stuff along the way. So it just, uh, I think I get it a little bit from what my parents taught me. And I'm also not, uh, I don't get caught up in details. And I do think I do, I have a strong faith and I feel like there's a belief component that I don't need all of the pieces in order to step forward that police pieces of whatever I'm doing will be brought to me if it's something that I should be working with. And I just kind of, you know, bring what I have, I learn along the way. And then I get 
really excited about the fun, interesting opportunities that arise when I step into something and it's, you know, it's like, oh, six weeks before I was supposed to start my run, I didn't have a motorhome still. And my boyfriend at the time was like, we need to pick a different date for the start. We got to push it back until we have the motorhome. And I was like, no, this is the date I'm going to be in San Francisco, March 22nd, 2010. I'm going to be at San Francisco and I'm going to start running across America. And the motorhome will come. And within that six weeks, I got a motorhome. I got $16,000 in sponsorship. I had a celebrity endorser and I had someone give us a car. All that happened in six weeks. That's sweet. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's something to be said, like if you pushed it off six more months, then it just gives you reason to not chase those things as hard. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're just like, oh, I don't have this yet. So I have to push this back. Now your motivation to get what you need is gone, you know? Yeah. And I also felt like I looked at each day as this intense opportunity. Even if that day was eight months prior to my start day, or if it was eight days prior to my start day, it was like, what does the potential of this day have? And yeah. who says that everything can't come together in six weeks? Like whose timeline am I on? You know, it was just, I was okay seeing what would happen. And then also, like I mentioned, I was, I was set on running across the country, even if I had to push a cart. So even if I didn't get a motor, like, yeah. we're loading up a cart <laughs> and I'm pushing it across. Everything the else is just icing on the cake, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how good did it feel when you got there? Was it a weird feeling like the last couple of days or was it this sense of accomplishment or what? In New York City? Yeah. I was actually really disappointed. So that's a big part of my story yeah. is that physically speaking, I got to New York and I I never questioned whether or not I was going to be able to do it, uh, but I was trying to raise $500,000. And that was as important to me, if not more than the actual running accolade of doing it. So when I got into New York, I had only raised $56,000. And even the days leading up to New York, I believed so much that that was what I was destined to raise for the cause that at any moment, someone would hear what I was doing and be so inspired to donate all this money. I just, and so when I got to New York, I physically finished and that money hadn't come through. I was just like, well, what the hell? Like I, I thought this was as important and it, and it is as important. And I believed I could do this much fundraising. So how do you fundraise that much was kind of the question that was going around in my head. And I'd met runners along the way that said they wanted to do something that like what I was doing, but didn't have the time or the resources to do the six month run across the country. So that's where the relay came about. Uh, What my nonprofit does now is a 19 week staged run across the country. And each week is a week long opportunity for one runner to experience a run across America. If they do a marathon a day for six consecutive days, and then they hand off the baton to their teammate, who's at like a designated location at the next city point. And then the, the teammate gets their week on the road running across the country. And then each individual has to fundraise $10,000 to be a part of the team. And collectively we raise quarter million dollars every year with, with the relay team alone. Cause people usually do 10 K or above. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how you raise 500,000. There you go. I think that is, I mean, when did that idea come about? Because I think it's such a genius idea and it's coming from someone who had the experience of actually doing this thing. And like you just said, realizing like a lot of people just aren't not going to have six months to actually go run across the United States, but would love 
to spend a week doing it though like when did that idea all come together because i think that's such a great idea it was pieces of it so it was meeting the runners along the way that said they wanted to do something like this yeah me not being successful in the fundraising who knows maybe if i had raised five hundred thousand dollars i would have got to new york and been like sweet yeah i did it look at how cool this was um I, like I said, I, I started a charity that wasn't like my intention. My whole life was not to start a charity and founding a charity and operating a charity is not easy. Yeah. And it's still not easy. All of these years later, we're in our 11th run across the country. And there are still components of where, where I'm like, operating a charity is really hard. <laughs> um, but so it was the the runners wanting an experience like this, me failing at fundraising and me being as committed to the fundraising goal as I was to the actual running component of it that yeah. kind of created the relay experience. The relay almost didn't happen. So I ran across the country in 2010 and I took a, a, about a year off and I was talking about the relay because a lot of people were were asking me, what are you going to do now? You just ran across the country at 25. Like, what else can you do with your life? Um and so I was like, well, I'm going to do a relay run across the country. And this is what it's going to be like. I had already kind of formed in my mind that people would have a week long opportunity because that you can take a week off of work yeah. was kind of the concept in my mind. I already had the setup of, okay, well, you live out of a motor home. You have an aid person that takes care of you. Um, so that it was always, it was already kind of there within what I had done. And then I just needed to set a date. So then, um, I set a date in April, 2013. I really started kind of bring, trying to bring a team together in 2012. And so we had already had like the website up for on the charities, um, on the charities website. And so I had like this application process. So I laughed because now it's all electronic, but at the time it was a PDF you had to download and print off and yeah. then like write your answers. <clears throat> yeah. Either you had a scanner, you would scan it and send it back to me. But we had, I had a lot of, hard copy applications sent to our mailing address for the charity. Yeah. I would just go to the mailbox once a week and there'd be an application there for someone that wanted to be on this team. So it almost didn't happen because in January, um, I only had seven runners and I needed 22 at the time. I actually had shorter sections. So now our team does at least 160 miles of running in six days, which is America wow. a day. Yeah. In the very first team, I didn't know what I could expect of other people. I knew what I could expect of myself, but I decreased the miles. I think it was like maybe you had to do a minimum of 22 miles a day for six days to complete your segment. So there were more segments. There was 22 sections across the country. Um, so I'd only had seven people sign up and it was like January. I didn't have any sponsorship. I didn't have a motorhome. I had the family that borrowed me their motorhome, but I didn't have like, I wanted like a new, I wanted to be like an official charity with a motorhome and all the cool stuff. Yeah. And none of that was there. And so I just emailed this group of seven people and I was like, thank you so much for your interest. But also kind of on the side, um, I started my own personal training business and boot camp and nutrition, and it was really successful. And so I had this for-profit thing that I loved and I was having a lot of fun doing it. I was making good money. And then this nonprofit thing where like the team was kind of not coming together, there wasn't a lot of interest. So I was like, you know what? I tried. I did my thing. I ran across the country. I don't have a lot of people that want to sign up and run across the country with me. So I'll just, I did, I did my best. Thanks God. But I'm like, this clearly is not going to come together. So I emailed the team and said, thanks for, thanks for joining the team. We don't have enough people. I don't have a motorhome. I don't have sponsorship to pay for like food and gas and all the things that we need. And the team, people on the team emailed me back and they're like, 
nope, we're going to find the runners. We'll sleep in tents. Just drive us in your car. People started being like, I'll run across the whole state of Colorado. And then someone else is like, yeah, (laughs) Pennsylvania. Like, don't, we're doing this. Yeah. I don't know what you think we're doing this. And they got a team of 16 people together. I love Um, that. That's where it goes beyond you and now becomes a community thing. Yeah. And I had to like learn to ask for help. You know, I wanted it. I wanted it to look like it was really enticing and super popular and that a ton of people would sign up. And then when I got to the point where people didn't sign up, I'm like, Hey, I guess this isn't interesting enough. And they were like, no, it is. We're going to do this. Was that really hard to send that email? Because, you know, there is part of this pressure to like appear, you know, like you're just starting off. Like, of course people are going to understand when, you know, it's not all together if it's the first year, you know, but it's like super intimidating to be like, Hey guys, like I don't have these things that we need. And just Mm -hmm. asking is really hard for a lot of people, but there's so many people out there that want to support your dreams and your goals and your mission and stuff. Yeah. I, it wasn't hard at the time because it was far enough past my run across the country that there had been some room created. It was about a year and a half after I finished my run. So there was some room created from like what I did to what I was doing next. And I also only emailed these seven people. It's not like I emailed my whole database and was like, hey, guys, thanks for supporting my charity, but it's kind of wrapping up now and we're done. So it was only these seven people. And then also, like I said, I had a very successful fitness business that was going well. So it's not like I was failing in every area of my life and I was just announcing it. (laughs) It was just like this charity thing that I didn't make any money doing. And I did have really good intentions. And I really kind of got to the point where I was like, I have done everything that I can do yeah. or that I think of. So I felt like I brought everything I could to the table. Um, I think I feel the most disappointed when I didn't bring everything that I could to the table. And if I give 110% and something doesn't work out, I still feel good because I brought 110%. Um, it's when I don't bring everything that I can to the table that I know I didn't use every skill and, um, intention and belief that I have to do something. So I usually am either 110% in or I don't do something. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not like a middle, middle ground person. No, that makes sense. And now like, I mean, to see the amount of money you guys have raised and to be in your 11th year, like what have you noticed as you've gone and this thing's grown? Like what kind of thing, like what kind of lessons have you learned along the way, I guess? Well, there's a lot of lessons. <laughs> I'm sure there's a billion <laughs> lessons for sure. Different podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think what I've noticed the most is that we do all have some painful experiences that we carry with us, whether or not you have a parent living with a disease, or maybe it's like you just didn't feel included on the playground enough. And you carry that with you as like a pain source of um, maybe not feeling enough or doing enough or being accepted enough in your community. But either way, we all have, I feel, a level of pain that we carry with us. And what I've learned through MS Run the US and the relay team specifically is that we have the opportunity to empower ourselves to do something good with it. And it doesn't necessarily make the pain go away, but it makes you feel a whole lot better. And so what I've created with the charity is what I always wanted for myself, uh, living with my mom, having MS and feeling helpless, uh, seeing her lose her abilities and really not... and. That there are MS charities that have done really great events. 
I just didn't feel called to bike very far or they do these MS walks. And those are all really great for the people that feel called to participate at that level. But for me, my thing is running and running across America was powerful enough to me to actually talk about my mom's MS and be honest about it. Cause I didn't want us to be a charity case. Um, she certainly was not, she's very, uh, she passed six years ago, but she had an amazing outlook on life. She lived through adversity very, very well. She knew how to find joy in day to day. And she did not attach her joy to like her circumstances or her physical being. And it was just, I feel so blessed to be able to grown up in, in her presence. Um, but being able to take the pain that I experienced through my childhood with her and then do something to this level and this impactful and to empower myself and now to empower other people to do something with MS around the US, it just, it, um, like I said, it doesn't make the pain go away, but it gives you something positive and purposeful to work on so that it makes it a little bit better. And you know that you're helping other people and you are making a difference. And I think that really helps when it comes to carrying your own pain. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. Um, and I guess just to kind of wrap up, can you speak to like the community? Cause you're, you know, talking from your experience and what it's meant to you, but now you've brought all these other people in and, you know, obviously it's for this, this cause and this, um, disorder that people have. And I'm sure people have like other family connections or friends connections. Like what is it meant to be able to like form a community? You know what I mean? Like, how cool is that? You've been able to like bring people who have their own experiences that have probably been really challenging and you get to bring them together uh and almost create this like support system for everybody like can you just talk to the whole idea of like community forming yeah it is a support system on so many different levels even if anybody who comes to ms run us one of the nice things is that if they're coming to the charity i know they're like me you know so you don't sign up for something like this unless you're really looking for something big and you're looking to be challenged. And I like to be really clear on the expectations that I have from the runners, from my staff, from, you know, volunteers were a little bit more, uh, accepting of, Hey, whatever you can bring. But when it comes to the runners and the staff, I'm really clear on expectations because what we do is really, really hard. But when you, when you're doing something really hard for the benefit of other people, it's just, there's so much personal growth that can happen in the process that it's amazing to be a part of. And so I do, I love the community. It's a very like niche community of uh, rare people that want to run a marathon a day for six consecutive days and also do the fundraising. But I love the process because runners are usually either intimidated by the running or they're intimidated by the fundraising. And we have a whole program and process that can help you through that. And it really is a process um, for myself and for the staff and for the relay runners too. It's a process of like identifying what you're afraid of and then having the courage to overcome it. And when you do that time and time again, really the only thing that we can do in, in to overcome fear is to act. So action is the only thing that overcomes fear and to be able to do that in a community of people and to see, okay, I'm not alone doing this thing. And there are other people who are doing it too. And like, we can do it together. And then we also accomplish this major goal of running across the country. It really, I've heard runners again and again, say it's life-changing, it changed my life and relay runners specifically through the program. It can be life-changing for them and it trickles over into all the other different areas of their life. So I feel just really 
uh, honored to be a part of it. Um, I feel like I stepped into something that was just saying yes to a calling, like you said. And I, and I, I just feel really um, like part of a bigger story, right? Like I, I'm cultivating the community because I continue to show up, but I think people can cultivate a lot of things when they say yes to showing up. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. Where, uh, where can people kind of like find more information or follow along? I know you, you all on, on like Instagram post pictures as uh, the runners are running across and everything, which is really fun to follow and really cool. But where can people kind of find find your info? We are on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube, YouTube, we post weekly videos of uh, the runner's experience. We have a videographer that travels across the country every summer. So if you go to YouTube, you can see uh, the videos of what it's like for each individual runner for the week. So I would say go to the videos. They're really amazing. You hear the person's story and you get to see some of the action, some great drone shots of running across the country. Um, So everything on social media is MS Run the US. Awesome. And tell me if I'm wrong but you're writing a book right now, or you've just finished the writing process. Can you tell us, tell me a little bit about that as, as before we go? Yeah, I wrote my memoir of running across the country. I finished actually last spring. It took four and a half years to write. So three kids running a nonprofit, uh-huh. didn't have a lot of time to sit down and write, but I made it, I made it happen. And now I'm in the process of publishing that book. That's amazing. Will you please reach out when it's published? And I would love to buy a copy and tell people where to go for that. Yeah. If you want, you can follow or your listeners can follow um, on my website, ashleymschneider.com. I'm posting almost weekly on my publishing journey. This week's post is about how um, all of the titles I've offered up are not very good. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hardest part, though, for real. That's the hardest part. You're like, wait a second. How do I sum up this whole entire experience in a catchy title? I, it is difficult. So I'm taking it to the masses. You tell me what you would name this book and we'll see what comes. There you go. Perfect. If you all want to tell Ashley what she should name her book, go to her website and send her a message. Awesome. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. And, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing and I think it's amazing and please keep it up. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the nonprofit and all of the amazing people that contribute to what we do. So I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, that wraps up this week's episode of Like a Bigfoot podcast. Uh, definitely go follow Ashley's journey. Um, follow MS Run the US. I know they do some incredible, incredible things. Uh, I was introduced to it from a previous guest, Caitlin Yonke, on the podcast. And um, I've just seen what she's been able to do with this uh nonprofit and I think it's just so wonderful and such an amazing um amazing thing and like I said in the intro I think the thing that really kind of captures my imagination is when you just go out and do something and you don't really know like maybe just I don't know if you if you've never tried it if you're the type of person that's never tried just going out and doing something whatever that something may be like chasing after a goal for really no end in mind like no real big purpose uh nothing you're really trying to accomplish like you're not setting your expectations you know i think it's hard because a lot of times we set expectations and you know us big dreamers like it's really hard to imagine or it's really hard to reach 
what we're imagining, what our expectations that we set are. And I know some people get really torn up about it. Like if they go out and try something and they don't necessarily hit their A goal or their B goal or their C goal, like they might, um, they might get frustrated about it. And to me, the way I always look at it is like, just think about the experience that you're having. Like what, what kind of things are you taking in? in the moment you know like the finish line is the finish line it is cool it is super exciting um but it's always something that doesn't last right like even the most exciting like i'm sure when ashley got to new york city and it's all exciting and there's a lot of people cheering her on and she's proud because she did this thing like it's the finish line that that excitement goes away and you're left with all the other things. You're left with all the things you've learned and discovered about yourself and discovered about the world. You're left with those things. Those are the things that are internalized. Um, and I think when you go into something just to do it, you can really appreciate the journey a lot more. Um, and you're not as destination focused. And I think to me, that's always been really important, including doing this podcast. Like I'd I still to this day, like almost six years in, like I don't have like a end destination in mind. I don't have like an end goal in mind. I just really enjoy doing it. And when I think back, I'm like, wow, look at all these amazing people I've been able to meet along the way and talk with and develop friendships with and these really cool adventure opportunities that have arose just from me sitting down being like, I want to talk to some people about like going in the outdoors and doing crazy stuff. Um, I think it's amazing. And I think that's, that's the part of life. Like that, that makes it beautiful is this like kind of undiscovered part, um, that you kind of figure out along the way. And then you can kind of look back on and be like, Oh yeah, these, these were the things that were the most important. So, uh, anyways, that wraps up this week's episode of like a Bigfoot podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate y'all and we'll get back at you next week.